Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners. Thank you, as always, for joining us on this Thursday. Of course, we always release our podcasts on a Thursday, regular like clockwork, first things in the morning. You can get your bit of HR on the Offensive delight, but it's not, well, it is HR that we're talking, but we're specifically going to be talking payroll today. And to help me in this quest to discuss all things payroll is my fellow colleague from Lace Partners and one of our resident payroll gurus, Adam Morris. How do you feel about being described a guru in payroll, Ad? Always makes me nervous. Always feels like <laughs> you're overselling me. But yeah, it's, it's good to be here. And uh, it feels like, yeah, HR on the offensive is slowly becoming payroll on the offensive. I feel like we're getting a little bit more airtime on these. So yeah, really looking forward to this one again, Chris. We love a little bit of payroll. We love a little bit of payroll on the HR on the offensive podcast. And for today's pod, we've got Sam Field, who is a senior recruitment consultant at Oakleaf Partnership. So Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How are you both? Uh, we are very good, as we were just talking about. In the UK, we had a well, we had one day of lovely weather at the weekend and spent it in our various beer gardens, or if I can just throw Sam under the bus straight away at boot fairs. But we won't go into your boot fairly delights, uh, Sam. We're going to talk payroll. And the reason we wanted to get you on today, actually, do you know what? Before we do that, let's talk about Oakleaf, because you can tell us a little bit for a minute or two about what Oakleaf do, and then we'll tease our listeners with what the topic of conversation is today. Perfect. So to give you a little bit of history on, on Oakleaf, I suppose, you know, we take it back a little bit to 2005 when the current group CEO, Richard Colgan, out of the Phoenix of the Flames, you know, launched Oakleaf Partnership from coming from a HR background previously from a re- recruitment background. He started that uh, in another organization. He started that in 2000 and he found the niche in the gap and he decided to go out on his own. And that's where Oakleaf came from. Predominantly started off in the financial services space, grew into commerce and industry. And since We have a payroll offering, reward offering. We do total reward search in the US, which is very exciting. We've just launched our HR function that's going to do exactly the same this year. We also have change and transformation offering as well. But we're a very customer-centric organization. And that's where you probably see ourselves differently to maybe some of our competitors. We're a very, you know, values-led organization. And the one big thing for us is, you know, redefining the recruitment process one person at a time, really. And that's something that I think is ingrained in all of us and, you know, even from our values. So that's a little bit of an insight into Oakleaf in a a bit of a snapshot, if you want to call it that. Brilliant. And the reason why we wanted to get you on is to talk payroll, but then specifically talent attraction, a little bit of skills as well, because as you and I obviously spoke before we decided to do this this recording today, and we had a chat about some of the challenges that payroll people are facing in finding and hiring and attracting talent. So I thought, who better to get on than somebody who spends his life trying to find excellent people. So just as a quick intro i mean we've called this podcast payrolls talent attraction challenges can you kind of give us from your perspective some of the biggest challenges that you're seeing when you're talking to payroll teams about the hiring and the talent that they want to hire into their business yeah i think the biggest challenge is has been a big drive in the market in terms of hiring talent i think there was a there was a period potentially during that pandemic where some functions maybe struggled to retain or had to reduce the size of the functions they've now tried to grow that and I, you know i think from you know 
our last conversation, candidates have numerous opportunities on any one moment. It's become a very candidate-driven market. And with that, it's led to there'd be more people moving out of an organization. So talent retention is, is proven hard because salaries have increased so much. Going back to your point, I think it's become a lot harder to retain individuals based on quite a big jump in salaries and benefits package. So that's something that we're seeing prominently and on a daily basis within that candidate market at the moment, in the payroll market as well. It's become very much like that. And Sam, just to follow up on that. So you mentioned yeah. obviously there about it being a candidate market. What are you mm. hearing from candidates about the things that they really like to see in jobs clearly you mentioned compensation and reward and benefits there are there some mm. of the softer things maybe as well that you're seeing or is it mainly focused around those elements I think naturally, if you're going to move to an organization, you still want a level of development in yourself, right? I don't think you're going to move for like for like. So if you're looking at takeaway salaries and you know, benefits and you know and all of that combined, people are looking for a home that is going to be a permanent home for a, a longer duration. They're looking for an opportunity to progress there. They're looking for an opportunity to have an impact or have a change. I think there is still a long way to go with that. I think naturally because there's, there's been some higher salaries than usual in certain markets. I think that is where candidates have moved maybe a little bit more than before. But I still think fundamentally for, you know, for candidates, they want to go to a home where they can not only better themselves, but also, you know, better, you know, better a team and, and get exposure to, you know, different things they wouldn't get exposure to normally. So there is that softer side of it that is still quite prominent. But I think always, you know, you're always, it's very difficult to get away from the remuneration you're going to get from a role, right? And that's become very prominent in the last six months. That has probably been, you know, 80% of the real reason people have moved on for organisations. That is slowly changing and at the forefront is people's development, which is so important. And specifically within the payroll space, are there any types of positions that you're hearing are in more demand than others? Or is it certain types of levels that you're seeing that are more difficult to find for your clients or just people getting into? Yeah, and this is a real hot topic of mine at the moment. I actually produced an article on this a little while ago. So one space that is challenging, probably has been challenged, I would say, for, for six months or so, is around that EMEA international payroll space. And I think that is because, you know, going back to a few of the points I've made, there's been a higher demand, which means that salaries have increased due to candidates, in essence, holding all of the keys, right? And I think in some way, there's a little bit of an epidemic within that where salaries have, have risen due to, you know, candidates being in numerous processes and almost becoming, I don't want to call it a bidding war, but it's become very much that space. So with that, what that's actually meant is that when they're looking to hire again, the, the people in the team that have moved on, they're trying to find that same talent but the salaries have jumped drastically so if you want to look through the recruitment life so you know in terms of backfilling finding that individual businesses just are struggling to understand why they need to pay the extra salary in essence right because it's a similar skill set the skill set hasn't changed at all but the salary has risen and 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 that's where I, you know I go back to the point i think it's created a bit of an epidemic within that space that's proven to be one of the toughest spaces at the moment you mentioned skill set there and sam that was really interesting are you seeing any particular types of skills or capabilities in demand maybe my question is around are we seeing any new skills and capabilities i think we always joke but definitely from our hr colleagues here at lace that it's all spreadsheet mugs and numbers but are we seeing any new skills that are, are being brought into that market or being more in demand in that market yeah i think things that become more in demand is stakeholder management internally that's a really big piece on a lot of the roles that i've come across and my colleagues come across i think that ability to be able to work with other people and potentially to understand payroll 
right? And I think that's a really prominent piece. Also from a reporting aspect, understanding what effects that has on different teams and being able to be that voice of payroll, if you want to call it that, that's really, really prominent. And from an external piece, it goes back to, you know, being able to have that vendor management piece. I think, you know, Payroll is very customer service centric, right? And all of these key points are what businesses are expecting people to have a little bit more experience in. Because I think that is, if you have that and you have that experience, the rest is something that can be learned. I think it's very, it's not always easy to train customer service. I think sometimes you either have it or you don't, but those are the real big driving forces that people really want to see. And I think that's a really interesting piece as well, as, as well as Sam, that service provision piece. And I think that's one of the things that we're seeing more is, I think we've spoken about on other podcasts about this that HR having a seat at the table almost HR having its own voice that isn't kind of you know sitting behind finance or HR and payroll really kind of being its own team and I think that service delivery seeing HR as a service and seeing payroll sorry seeing payroll as a service and kind of seeing it as being part of the employee experience what that gives to our employees being part of our company strategy and how we how we make sure that we capture the best talent for our organisation I think that is really really key and I think that's something that we're seeing and from what you said that feels like that's that's coming through through that more demand of that stakeholder management and customer service would you agree yeah, I think maybe payroll through the pandemic has maybe been highlighted more than before. And I think maybe slowly getting a little bit more recognition than maybe previously. I think we've all been guilty of maybe thinking payroll, you go to mainly when you've got a problem, right? I think we've all been guilty of that. But I think people are really starting to take payroll, giving payroll the spotlight, like you say, a seat at the table, right? One of the most important parts of a, a function, uh, of an organisation, right? I mean, you're speaking to the converted here, Sam. So <laughs> you're you, uh, you, you find a happy voice here. I think just one final point on the new skills that we're seeing as well. Have you seen that maybe new skills for change and transformation as part of payroll teams? I'm just thinking from our side, we're seeing a few people coming off the back of the pandemic, some of our friends and colleagues and, and, and clients as well saying, we thought things were broken, the pandemic happened and we realised things were very, very broken. Are you seeing that kind of that change in transformation skill set and, and capability being required through the roles that you're seeing at the moment? Yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting point you made, Adam. I think since the turn of the fiscal year, I've seen that a lot more payroll transformations going on, implementing new systems, driving new processes. I would say, you know, 90% of the businesses that I've spoken to, a lot of it is about where were we before the pandemic? Where are we now? Where do we need to be? And that's one really big point. We are seeing that a lot more, especially on the interim piece. That's always going to be a real, from a, a payroll recruitment perspective, there's always a big interim need of that payroll change and transformation. But that's definitely come to the forefront a lot more. Can I ask you both a question then, just linked to that? It's quite an open-ended question, but i just written down, is payroll more attractive than it has been previously as a profession, do you think? I want general opinions there. We'll start with Sam as he's the guest, and Ads, I'll get your view as well. This is a space I'm incredibly passionate about. I think it's not about it becoming more attractive. People are understanding what payroll means and what payroll does. But I think mm. there's always been the attraction for, for you know for some people. But I think it's just by that attraction coming, it's by people understanding more what payroll does and the importance of payroll and nuances of payroll. If you're looking at people coming into the payroll space, I don't think they come in because there's necessarily, if you want to call it attraction, they're starting to understand more what a, what a payroll function does and what a payroll per, you know an individual does. I, you know, I'd, I'd also 
I can imagine Adam has got a pretty good take on this as well. I agree, agree with what you're saying, Sam. I think when I first started, so I first started in HR sort of journalism and, 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 move, and moved this way through my career. And I think when I definitely started, there was definitely that feeling of payroll. I'd probably say the same for, for HR operations and HR services as well, where if you got there, you weren't really going to progress in your career. And actually, I think over the last 10 years sort of my career and definitely over the last five, I think what people have found is that actually that's what employees really, really care about. That's kind of that base requirement and that base need is they need to be paid properly. They need to be able to transact their data properly and that data needs to be correct and reflected properly. Unless you do that, you can't as an organization, let alone just HR or finance, you can't go and do all the interesting stuff you want to do if people's data are wrong and, and, and you're paying them incorrectly. And I think that, and that's where my question was slightly leading Sam earlier on around that transformation capability. I think that's where we're seeing a lot at the moment is people saying, I really want to get stuck in that area. I want to provide innovative solutions for the problems that we're facing. And actually, I recognize there's a lot of reward, both as we spoke in terms of compensation, but also in terms of just building a really strong career around developing those innovative solutions for payroll. Yeah, definitely. I think it was just when you said that, Adam, about those kind of moving into the change and transformation bit, it just in my mind, it popped up that perhaps the traditional view of what a payroll person was five, six, seven, ten years ago is evolving slightly for that mm. very reason. And particularly with the new technologies that are being used, you know, as you said, Ad, right at the beginning, it's not just a mug that says, I love spreadsheets sheets on it anymore. It's become a little bit more sophisticated and perhaps a little bit more consultative and strategic in terms of what are payroll people starting to look like and being shaped by. But I want to actually ask you, Sam, and actually this might be another one. This is turning into a Chris Asks Sam and Adam podcast rather more than combination. Chris and Adam. Yes. <laughs> it's the in-source versus outsource. And so what I'm talking about here specifically was we talked about this previously. So if you can give us, Sam, just your view on some of the challenges that organizations are facing when they make this decision, do we set up our payroll to be managed internally for us as a business or do we look to outsource parts of that? Just give us some of those challenges and then I guess from a talent attraction point of view, what that means for businesses. If I was to look at it from two perspectives, and I'll break this down from a UK payroll perspective, then from an EMEA perspective. And actually, the EMEA perspective is always going to be outsourced, right? So I think if you're looking at the outsource model, it's about having the, the right outsource model that is aligned to how you collate data, how you transfer data to a provider, and everything in between. The UK payroll, naturally, you know, we see it a lot more in-house. I think from a UK perspective, outsourcing, you maybe don't have as much control over that data, how that data is produced, how you send that data. I would probably say the businesses that we work with is more often not is in that UK piece. And from, from a, going on to the talent attraction piece, from a UK perspective, I find it, and, and certainly my colleagues, a bit more of a challenge to find outsourced UK payrollers who have worked on an outsource model. Yeah. So much easier to find people on the in-house because they have the control, they have the ownership, right? It's done by you know numerous people. They know where that data is coming from. They know how that data is collated. They know how that is in process to then be paid, right? From an EMEA perspective, it's just a, from our talent perspective, it's the volume of the, the vendors you've had exposure to, right? It's not just having exposure to one vendor. Have you had exposure to two or three vendors? Because there are some vendors that are getting a really good name out there at the moment, right? So I think people are looking for volume because that adds to the skill set and that adds to the level of understanding how that vendor piece works. But from what I see on a day-to-day, -day, the UK payroll piece seems to work so much. Is a, is a better function internally than it is outsourced and the EMEA piece is always outsourced. So that's sort of a prerequisite. Yeah, and add from our side, if you can just elaborate on some of the things that, because you obviously work with a lot of our clients, 
and the payroll teams themselves. What are we seeing more of? And have you seen any challenges that payroll teams that we work with have come across? Yeah, I think it's a good question. It was interesting what Sam was saying there. And I'd actually be interested once I've said what I'm going to say to get Sam's point of view, actually, because I'm always a fan of the way that you insource and outsource actually should align fundamentally to your to your organisational strategy and, and, and who you are. So we see a lot more of solely UK organisations keeping it in-house because they've clearly got that tight market space where the organisations that we would deal with in the UK but that cover Amir will cover the Americas for example and where we find that there's a lot of issues at a very fundamental level and if we take away all the kind of the technological and process constraints it's actually it's a misalignment of strategy. You're trying to run your organisation centrally for example and then you run your payroll in a kind of a, a very split and disparate way or you recognise that actually your organisation needs to be slightly more federated slightly more agile slightly more nimble but your payroll remains quite fixed and quite centralised and not as agile as your organisation and it makes payroll seem clunky and I think that's when we get that question of and we've spoken about on this podcast Chris loads of times when people come to us and say payroll is broken and when we get under the skin of that often what happens is payroll isn't broken payroll is paying people correctly 99.9999% of the percent of the time but it feels what we're going talking about earlier on it feels like a really bad service and people don't like it because it feels it's misaligned to that strategic aim. I think the question that I have for you, Sam, is the conversations that you have at real initiation point when your clients come to you, do you find that they are maybe being a bit more strategically based or is it still kind of just, we need a payable person to make sure people are paid correctly? Can we put them in? How, how Are you finding there's a change in those conversations? I think it very much depends on markets from a permanent perspective. There's a little bit more strategy behind it. Interim perspective, I think it's about someone who can process payroll if they've had some exposure, let's say, purely to in-house. I think the sense that we hear from the market is that doing the in-house piece, moving to outsource is probably, you know, quite a natural progression and natural transition. I think from a, a permanent perspective, people are a little bit more strategy aligned, as you mentioned. The way I would put that is they are looking for people who's either done the outsource piece is a, a really, really important part because I think it's a big part of what they do in terms of where the data comes from, how they send the data over, but also, you know, the customer service piece. I think that is a very much a two-way street. And that goes back to something I mentioned earlier around stakeholder management and around being able to manage those vendors and the expectations. So different recruitment strategies, permanent, very much more strategically aligned. The interim market maybe a little bit more flexible, shall we say, in that skill set. Brilliant. We are coming towards some of the end of the questions that we've got, though I'm sure Adam probably has about a million other questions that he'd ask you. But one of the things I wanted to ask you from our initial chat was around general creative ways that you've seen that organisations have been trying to attract payroll professionals and you don't get to say, talking to me. I'll be really honest. Ways of being creative is people have gone back to doing what people did two years ago, right? It's not about reinventing the wheel. People have started to meet people face to face again. You're meeting people in a team function. You're trying to meet people in a social a social aspect away from the work to get an unreal understanding of what an organization is like, but what the individual is like. You're always going to get the Excel tests that everyone dreads and loves in the same voice, the same sentence that comes up. But just by showing people a glimpse of your organization is how you make yourself different. We're having a lot more people face to face. When they meet people face to face they're meeting three or four people face to face they're doing that virtually is really tough right meeting multiple stakeholders is tough it slows down a process as well but doing the basics is what is being creative because everyone else is still doing the virtual piece you're not getting a sense of an organization meeting people face to face is it may sound bizarre but it's that is the way people are being creative and that is what making people stand out. And also, there's one organization that makes a real song and dance on LinkedIn about who's in the team, who's joined. People look at that, and that is a, 
a way of being creative because that is your own talent attraction. I think not reinventing the wheel and going back to meeting people face to face, but also that social engagement from social platforms is how people are really being creative. The flip side of that, I think, Sam, yeah. that question is um, obviously the candidates. I'm just thinking of our listeners and, and kind of yeah. why it's a, a few people might have tuned into this. Do you have any hints or tips for people who are currently looking for new payroll roles at the moment and um, that you find it's particularly successful? Yeah, I think you just got to go in there with an open book, number one. I think with different organisations, I think you need to go through the whole process to really understand what that organisation is. This may sound really simple stuff, but do your research into the organisation. Don't just do research into the payroll function, do research into the business. What's their share price? What's the news about those guys? Compare them to other people, the other organisations that you might have colleagues with, you know, you might be friends with. But I think ultimately do your research is really, really important. Be an open book. And the one thing I'd always say to everyone is be yourself personality is so important and people love to see what other people are about just this week i had someone say i want that individual to show me their personality because they showed me a glimpse but i want them to show me more that's really really important to people so show people what you're about i think it's great that you have to be professional in work and things like that but show your personality that's what makes us all individual right that's what makes you adam and you chris right and that's really really important in the payroll space but research be yourself do due diligence those be my tips I think that's a really, really good point that you've just made out there. I think there's that two-way transparency, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You be your authentic self and also your expectation should be of the business. Like perhaps it's almost impossible to fully understand and the culture of an organization until you get into the organization, but you can have a pretty good idea, can't you? And that's yeah. where it's incumbent on organizations themselves to make sure that they are demonstrating what is the culture of us? Are we able to articulate our culture as an organization? And then you as an individual get a better idea. I think for me personally, being able to get as close as you can to finding out about does the culture of this organization fit with me and my personal Mm. values is going to go a long way to you actually being successful within that organization. Because if they're not aligned to the personal values that you have, then that's going to eventually at some point be a... uh, a sticking point for you so trying to find out that i think is always quite important as well it's been absolutely amazing we are coming towards the end of today's podcast it's been amazing having you on thank you very very much sir we are i say this only every once in a while but we'll definitely get you on for some more podcasts and to chew the fat over all things payroll but thank you very much for joining us today no look thanks for having us uh it, it's been uh, it's been great to chew the fat as such it's been good chew the fat indeed it's been really really good and adam partner in crime thank you very much for firing all the questions and then also having me fire some questions at you as well no cheers chris cheers Sam. yeah really enjoyed that thank you it's been uh, it's been great having you guys on and we will see you next time on the HR on the offensive podcast. Thank you.